God is able to change situations. Amen? And actually, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. How God works. And I, I got to listen to Keith's message last week. And how many of you used to watch the A-Team, the old A-Team TV show? The one line in the show was, I love it when a plan comes together. And I love it when God puts everything together. And I told Keith on Wednesday, I think God was kind of putting this together today to dovetail with what happened last week. So we're going to pray that God continues to work. You know, God's been dealing with me a, a lot about this. And last week was about moving mountains and how God works. And how is that done unless we expect God to show up? Right? And how does God show up? God doesn't show up that we can't experience him, that we can't see him or what he does. God shows up by doing the miraculous. God validates his word. He does things. He shows up by doing things that are miraculous in nature. And the question I wrote down is, do we today expect God to do miraculous things? Or do we expect God that he doesn't work that way so much anymore? And if I took a poll, I would probably say all of us here would expect God to do miracles. Is that right? Anybody expect God not to do miracles? Do we live our lives daily really believing that? Do we believe that God is going to do the miraculous? If someone comes up to you and says, you know, I heard from God today. What's our reaction? Okay. If someone comes to you and says, you know, I really had a dream or a vision from God, what's our reaction? Maybe. Anyone ever had a dream or a vision you can say for sure was from God? Joel tells us that still happens today, right? When was the last time you heard people talk about Demon possession. Or that doesn't happen anymore. That was just for Jesus', Jesus Day. And lastly, what would people who don't know Christ respond if you say any of those things? They would dismiss you probably out of hand. Well, is that true? What did Jesus say about these things? John 14, 8 Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Philip, you don't even know yet who I am, even after all the time I've been with you. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to see him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And this is the verse. Or at least believe because of what you have seen me do. The truth is anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, yes, ask anything in my name and I will do it. How do those verses apply today? Do they apply in our lives today? Does God still work in that manner today? 
Now, Philip was questioning the validity of who Jesus said he was. And Jesus reminds us, as he said up to this point, all his sermons and one-on-one discussions with the apostles and the disciples, and he says, you still don't understand who I am. He says, if my sermons don't convince you, if my one-on-one interaction with you don't convince you, then you need to at least look at the things that I've done, the miraculous things I've done in the past three years, the miracles themselves, if I can't convince you, they should be the ones that at least get your attention and convince you. They should prove who I am. Then he says that anyone else who believes, not only in the miraculous, now the miraculous just verifies what Jesus taught, but anyone else who believes, that would be us, that God works the same way. If you believe that, Jesus said he will do the same works that I have already done. And not only that, you'll do a lot more than them. So he's telling his disciples and everyone else to follow. You will do the same works that I've done. And not only will you do what I've done, you will do them greater. Now, greater means more in number rather than more in power. Jesus raised people from the dead. I'm doubtful we can do anything greater than that. Greater means numerically. Why will we be able to do that? Or I guess the better question is, how are we able to do that? The verse that keys it all, it says, because I'm going to be with the Father. Later in John 16, he says this. John 16, 7 says, it is actually best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the counselor won't come. If I go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And then in Acts 1.8, it says this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So if this is true, why don't we see much in the way of miraculous things happening today? Well, I thought there's two reasons for that. The first one, now besides the fact that by definition, miracles are things that don't happen every day. We can agree on that. If, if I come in and turn the light switch on, the lights comes on, not a miracle. Well, maybe, but not a miracle. Miracles don't happen every day. They don't happen in normal ways. But sometimes we think that because they don't happen every day, that they don't happen at all. But the truth is God still does those things today. And if we don't expect them to happen, I think two reasons why we don't see much in the way of miracles. The first one is, And I've mentioned this before, a lot of the things we have today that we take for granted in Jesus' day would be considered miraculous. Medicine, science, technology, all those things in Jesus' day would be considered a miracle. But I think that that thinking also leads us to the second reason why we don't see them. And I think this applies to us more than anything else. Since we are so, quote, advanced, And since we are so prosperous as a nation, how many of us think we don't need them anymore? That we can trust what's going on in the world. We don't really need the miracles the same way Jesus did. We live and we act as if God, as one author said, that God's not here. And sometimes I'm as guilty as the next person. I look at things in the natural, I see them with my natural eyes, 
I look at the facts and I analyze it and make decisions on based on what I can see rather than stepping out in faith and trusting God for what he says to do. There's an article in Christian Century and it was called Embarrassed by God's Presence. And I, got, I thought about that for a minute. The title, Embarrassed by God's Presence. When I first became a Christian and we were you know, in, in a Pentecostal church, I would sometimes be, I don't know if embarrassed would be the term, but shy about bringing my friends who weren't necessarily Pentecostal to a Pentecostal church because I was afraid of what they would experience, which on my end was incorrect thinking. Rather than thinking God can work through that as he did with me, I thought I wouldn't invite people. And the article, I read it, and the concluding sentences are these. And it caught my attention. It says, the central problem for our church, our theology, and our ethics is that it is merely atheistic. He says, that, many, that means churches and Christians operate and conduct business as if God didn't matter. What does he mean by that? Do we expect every day when we wake up to God be an, an active part of what we do? Do we expect to hear from God during the day? Do we expect God to give us direction every day? When we start our devotional life, do we expect to hear from God or do we just kind of pray and go on and do what we're going to do anyways rather than listening for God and expecting direction from Him? I think sometimes we want and we are comfortable with predictability. We like things the same. We like knowing what's coming. We want to see everything lined up before we step out. And I'm this way. I want to see everything lined up. I do all kinds of homework. Nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we use that as a crutch that if we don't see the end from the beginning, then we don't take the step. We don't expect God to guide us as we step out. Are we happier with things being predictable rather than expecting God to do miraculous things? If we come to church knowing what's going to probably happen, know that we'll be done probably by noon, maybe a little bit short today. We know the worship will be five songs. We know that sermon will be probably a half an hour and we'll be out. Our lunch plans are good. We're, we're safe. We're, everything's good. Do we want God to really throw a monkey wrench in that and mess everything up? Or do we like it the way it is? We don't want anything to really mess things up. We don't, we, we're good the way we are. Do we expect God to show up and maybe keep us till three o'clock? Or maybe keep us till nine o'clock tonight? It's happened before. Or do we, are we comfortable with knowing exactly what's gonna happen and not wanting any surprises? And I think when we have those, those thoughts it leads to two different possibilities in our lives. The first one is, it tells me that if I miss church today, I'm not really missing anything. God's not gonna show up, it's gonna be the same. They'll be out by noon, nothing spectacular is gonna happen. And the second thing that can happen, there's only two options, is you know what? I don't come expecting God to do the miraculous. I just come expecting the predictable. 
I come expecting what happens every week. We come expecting the normal. And both of those scenarios don't allow for anything miraculous to happen. Because if we don't come expecting and we don't anticipate God doing a miraculous thing, as Jesus says, you will do these same things that I'm doing. If we don't expect it and we feel like God's not going to show up, then God's not going to show up. And not only does this apply to in-house, in the church, it also applies to our, our personal lives outside of church. If we live with predictability, and this could apply here, but if you live your life with predictability, then you know what's going to happen? You're not going to be discouraged if God doesn't show up. If you live your life not really anticipating God to intervene, you don't really expect God to answer this prayer or do this healing, if you're not really expecting it, you're not going to be disappointed when it doesn't happen. I call that a spiritual safeguard. If I don't step out, if I don't really trust God for this miraculous thing, then I'm not going to get mad or upset when it doesn't happen. I'm going to play it safe. It's going to do what I normally do, not trust God for anything supernatural. And then when it doesn't happen, I'm okay because I wasn't really expecting it anyways. But what is, what is faith? What's the definition of faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, what is faith? The writer of Hebrews basically asked the question. He says, it's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot yet see. We have a prayer chain, as you know, in our church, and we, we send out requests that are usually urgent on the prayer chain. The Bible tells us to pray for healing, does it not? James tells us, Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. God tells us in his word to pray for healing. When we pray for healing, do we expect God to heal? Or do we pray because, well, we're supposed to pray for healing and I'm not gonna be upset if God doesn't really heal. The Bible tells us to cast all of our cares upon him and that means you give them to God and not take them back. When you give them to God and you leave, do you carry that worry and fear with you? Or do we actually leave them on the altar and not care about them and not worry about them after we leave them there? God's word tells us that he is our provider. Is God your provider? Does God provide for your needs. Matthew 6:33, serve God first and he'll provide all you need. The Bible does not tell us to think what if? What if God doesn't heal? What if God doesn't provide the way I think he should? What if God doesn't do this? The Bible never tells us to do that. The Bible says we're to pray and trust in faith that God is going to do it. And then we leave the results to God. We believe, we keep praying. There's an acronym called PUSH. Pray until something happens. Doesn't tell us to stop praying. It tells us to keep praying. Daniel prayed for three weeks for the angel to come to him. What would have happened had Daniel quit in two weeks? Or in 20 days? The prayer would not have been answered. Daniel kept praying in spite of the fact that he, for three weeks, he saw no 
answer to prayer. But it didn't stop him from praying. Jesus gives a couple of examples in the Bible. The woman and the unjust judge keep praying until something happens. Sometimes we think modern Christianity is this. You know, we have lived with the notion that God only works on the inside of people to change us, to transform us, to make us new people. And he doesn't really work a lot on the exterior, what happens around us. Sometimes we're, we're, we're so used to the normal things happening that we don't expect God to intervene miraculously. And we, we taught a, le- a class a while ago. We're doing a case for faith on Wednesday night. And that's almost done. But there was a chapter in there about, about the miraculous and how God intervenes in the miraculous and how it does not violate natural law. In other words, the law of gravity. If I drop something, it's going to fall. But if I drop something and then someone puts their hand under and catches it, it stops that particular law from happening for that object. But it doesn't violate the law of gravity. It'll still hit the ground if I don't intervene. When God steps in, he does not violate the laws of nature. He steps in and intervenes and does something miraculous, unexplainable, but doesn't violate every other law to do it. God is able to step into our lives, stop whatever's going on in the form of healing or provision, whatever it is, without interrupting everything else. So when we pray, we believe that God is going to interact in our lives. How many times did Jesus heal people? The Bible says he healed everybody who came to him, right? How often has God been our provider in miraculous ways? Now, I think Keith mentioned this. Our job is not our provider. God gives us the job. God's our provider, and he provides it with a job. The thinking that God doesn't interact outside of us leads us to not having faith or trusting God for the miraculous. What happens is we look at things through the natural eye. You know what? If I have enough money, I'll do it. If I have enough wisdom or smarts, I'll do it. If the doctors can't do anything, then maybe after they've exhausted everything, maybe then I'll pray. When the apostles went through the book of Acts, they preached and miracles just happened. They just happened as a result of their praying and trusting God. They didn't think that the miracles would not happen. When they walked up to the temple, I think it was Peter and John, they saw the guy, the blame guy. He says, hey, I want to walk. And they, they didn't think about it for a second. They said, I've got nothing in the way of money. Stand up and walk, period. It just happened. Why? Because they believed what Jesus said, that you're going to do these great things even after I'm gone. And they can do it because the power of the Holy Spirit is here. Miracles occurred to validate the preaching of God's word. You ever hear the phrase, and how many have said this, and I've said this before, prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. Not sure I believe that anymore. Think about the example of Moses. Moses, God says, stand aside, Moses, I'm going to wipe him out. Israel is sinning, and God has had enough of them, and he said, move aside, Moses, I'm going to take them all out. Would God have done that had Moses not prayed? God doesn't lie. I'm going to take him out. Moses intervened. He said, Lord, I'm praying. Don't do it. 
And God, the Bible says he relented or he repented, depending on which version you had. Now, did God need to repent? No. What happened in that situation, God knew what Moses was going to do. He said, I'm going to judge him, move out of the way. But God knew that Moses was going to pray and God was going to answer the prayer. If Moses had not prayed, God would have judged Israel. God knows what he's going to do through our prayers. When we pray for someone to be healed or whatever it is we're praying for, the miraculous to happen, we're believing that God's going to intervene. And God is waiting for us to pray. There's a phrase phrase that says, God does nothing except by prayer. God moves by our prayers. God moves by our faith. God moves as we pray. If we don't pray, God doesn't move. If we don't expect God to show up and do miraculous things, God's not going to show up. When we pray for miracles and healing and provision according to God's word, his plan is to use that prayer to bring about glory to his name. When we pray for folks, and we pray, you know, a lot of times for different things and different needs, we want God's name to be glorified. We want people to see the miracle. We want people to see when we leave here or leave the hospital or wherever we're at, we want those around us to see the miracle taking place so that they know without a doubt that it was a miracle that God did. And I believe that God still works that way today. What is the most well-attended church service? A healing service. If you advertise a healing service on your marquee, and you bring someone in who says they have the gift of healing, this place will be packed because people want to be healed. And I think one of the things is when you start having God experience you, you know, doing miraculous, doing things that are supernatural in church and in our lives, we can't help but testify at that, about that, and word gets out about what God's doing. And when people hear that, hey, man, God's doing something in this church, they're going to come because they want to experience supernatural. You know, I, I look at the world today. Everyone's interested in, in supernatural things. They want to know about life after death. They want to know all these, you know, different supernatural events. Not, not biblical, but they want to know supernatural. When they see that God is actually doing something miraculous, either in our lives or in our church, people's interest is going to be piqued, and they're going to want to know. When Jesus was walking around preaching, I'm reading through the Gospels again, and, and it says these crowds kept following him. Why'd they follow him? Most of them wanted to get healed. Most of them wanted to see miracles. In fact, how many, we read it. How many times did the disciples say, hey, look, man, show me one more miracle, Lord. People want to see the miraculous. People want to see that God is interacting with his people. Something that doesn't happen every day, doesn't happen for everyone every time, but something that is miraculous that people can look in and say, God did this. It wasn't man, it wasn't an accident, it wasn't a coincidence, it was God. And I think that God wants each one of us to have that type of a testimony. John 14, 12 says, the truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. So, anyone, I'm guessing that we're anyone, we believe. It doesn't say anyone here who believed when he's talking to his disciples. And it doesn't say 
anyone who believes until the Bible's done being printed, it says anyone, period. Are we part of anyone? Do we believe? Do we believe that we've been saved? Do we believe that Christ is who he is? Do we still believe that God is at work on earth? Jesus says, I work and my Father continues to work. Or do we think that God, you know, he's just not interacting with us anymore? He's kind of a far off. He's on the mission field, but he's not in America. How many think that America is not a mission field? Watch the news. Watch society. I think America sometimes is a bigger mission field than Africa. Because we have everything, and yet we still reject God, and we still... I saw an ad on TV last night for a new TV show coming up. The name of the TV show, Evil. Evil. People are enthralled with evil. There's another one out there I, I saw an ad for, like the devil and an angel. It's like a comedy show, I guess. But see, people are lost. And when they're lost, they don't know Christ, they do this kind of stuff. And so I think America is as just a big a mission field as the rest of the world, and they need to see God working miraculous things here as well. We believe that the Holy Spirit is in us and with us. We believe that when we walk in this building, the Holy Spirit's already here. Now we know that the church is us. But the Bible says in Acts that the Holy Spirit filled the room before it filled the people. So the Holy Spirit was in the room as the people walked in, then he filled the people. So we can pray that the Holy Spirit fills this room, this building, and then each one of us are filled with the Holy Spirit while we're here. And if that happens, God can do miraculous things. Now he says in verse 37, he says, don't believe in me because, or do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. That's John 10, 37. How do we receive, how do we get God to do the miracle? How do we live our lives believing, not just here, but in everyday things, everyday life? How do we believe that God is gonna do these things? John 14, the end of that one chapter we read at the beginning. It says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. You ask anything in my name and I will do it. Okay, the verse does not mean you can get anything you want. How many understand that? <laughs> doesn't mean ask me for anything you want and I'll do it. You want a Rolls Royce? I will do it. No. Doing something in Jesus' name implies being completely aware of who he is and what he is capable of. And it means acting as his representative with his power and authority. Therefore, what we pray must reflect Jesus' character and be consistent with his desires and his purposes in the world. So when we pray, when we pray for a healing or a provision, whatever it is, the ultimate goal is to let God's glory be seen in the miracle. When that person is healed, we don't keep that to ourselves. We want to make sure everybody knows about it. We want to make sure everyone knows that God did a miracle. We want to exercise our voice and just tell everyone. 
When you pray in Jesus' name, you are, you know, if you are consistently filled with the Holy Spirit, what you want and what you need is going to change. How many agree with that? You're no longer going to want what you want. You're going to want what Jesus wants. And your prayers are going to reflect what you know Jesus wants. It's not going to be a selfish prayer. It's going to be prayer, God, you get glorified through this. You receive glory. I want your name to be magnified. I, sure, I have needs and I have these things I want you to do, but God, I want you to do them in a way that people see it, so that people are affected by your miracle. You know, we're, we're praying for all your family members who don't know Christ. And the, the verse that keeps coming to my mind is, it's impossible for a rich man to make it into the kingdom of heaven. And I think if you're in the United States today, you're rich compared to the rest of the world. So nothing is, or everything is too hard for us. We can't do that. How many are praying for people that you know, you love? And you know it's in your own strength, ain't gonna do it. No matter what you do, you can't save them. But the Bible says that nothing is too hard for God. God can do it. So when we pray, guess what? We're praying for the miraculous to happen. We're praying for God to get their attention, to God to open up their eyes to the truth. And how does he do that except by allowing them to see just a little glimpse of who he is by doing a miraculous thing among us? Will the outcome of what we pray for bring glory to God? Will it advance the gospel? Will it advance the kingdom of God? And does it reflect the love and compassion that Jesus showed? If that's all true, and we want God to, to manifest his presence, we want the power of God to be seen, and we want this community to know that, man, God is here. It's not just a rotary club, but the power of God is here. That means that we have to be uncomfortable with the predictable. We have to expect God to show up, as we've said many, many times. We have to believe that God wants to do these things, not just for us, but so that other people can hear about it. The Bible says, you have came to the world by the blood of the Lamb and your word of your testimony. What miraculous thing has God done for you? And it could be a little thing, and it could be a huge thing. Whatever it is, when people hear that from you, it's going to pique their interest. Not everyone, but you never know who that one is going to be. And you never know which one other people have been praying for that now is ready for you. The Bible says God, you know, one waters, or one plants, one waters, God gives the increase. Someone may have been praying for a loved one for 20 years, and you just happen to be the one that walks into the room at the hospital and pray with them, and guess what? You're the one that's a recipient of 20 years worth of prayers. That is a miracle that you're there. Do we have to trust? We have to trust in God's word regardless of what has happened in the past. How many have prayed for things that haven't happened yet? And it seems like forever they haven't happened. And you know what? You want to quit praying for it. Man, I've been praying for this thing for 20 years. I'm done. 
unfortunately, it's not how God works. You keep praying. You keep trusting. You know, the Bible says that God is not involved in time. He's outside of time. A day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day to God. So God does not measure his reaction to our prayers in time. So it may take us 20 years of praying for someone or praying for a miracle, whatever it might be, for God to work. But just like uh, Daniel did, we can't stop praying because God still wants to work miracles. You know, the Bible says that God does not want any to perish. Any. So that means whoever we're praying for to get saved, we know that God, his will is for them to get saved. Now they have to choose. But it's not one of these things, you know, is it God's will, is it not God's will? This is God's will that that person come to Christ. And whatever it's going to take in their life, God is going to do to open their eyes to get their attention. If it's a provision, if it's a healing, whatever it might be, God wants to do that to get them saved. The last question I have, well, not the last one, but do we really want God to show up? Now, not just the, the nice feeling we have with the music or the goosebumps, whatever it might be, but do we really want God to show up? And I'm assuming everyone's going to say yes to that. Well, that means that we have to expect God to show up and it also means that we have to take the time to pray to have God show up. You just can't come in and run out and God show up. God reacts to our heart attitude. Do we really, are we willing to give up for God to show up? Are we willing to forget the clock? Are we willing to forget what our plans are? Are we willing to forget what I'm comfortable with in order to seek God for him to show up. I still believe God wants to do miracles here. I believe that God wants to do things in our lives, in this church, that will facilitate the gospel, that allows people to see and be a part of what God's doing. We're going to have prayer up here in a minute. And I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come back up and play for a moment. But we're going to spend some time really seeking God and praying for the needs of this church. Not a perfunctory prayer, but I mean a prayer that God intervenes and God does the miraculous. The Bible says he still does those things. Do we believe it? Do we spend time waiting for God to answer? The woman in the undistressed, she kept banging on the door. She kept banging until he finally gave in. Now, the Bible says that God's not an unjust judge, but the point was she kept petitioning. She kept trusting. She kept knocking on the door. The Bible says, ask, seek, knock. You'll find me. But you have to take the time to do it. So worship team, can you come on back up? Would you stand for a moment? I'm going to pray for some specific healing needs right now that God needs to touch. And Kim, you're not here by accident, girl. 
God knew you'd be here today. And we're going to let God put an end to this, right? Yep. Amen. I'd like someone to stand in for Robin. They have been going through the ringer in her life. And they need someone to stand in in faith for her and trust that God is going to do a miracle in her. Pray for the Stow family as they go through this tough time in their lives as well. I want someone to stand in for her or for them. And trust God that he's going to have his way in their lives. And let the Holy Spirit minister to them in this difficult time. Maybe you have a situation in your life that you've been praying for, nothing's been happening, and you kind of forgot about it. And you don't want to pray anymore. You're just tired of praying. Maybe you're on the 20th day that God wants to see you keep praying. How much do you really want this? How much do you want it? If you want that to happen, if you want God to see that you're really, you really need him to operate and need him to work in your life, I want you to come up front. This is the time we're trusting God. We're, we're giving up what we want to do in order to have God do what he wants to do. And lastly, if you want something in your life, miracles to happen in your life that you're trusting God for, it may not be a healing, it may not be even salvation of someone, but you just need God to work. You need your faith to grow. You need your faith to be built up. This is the time that God is going to do it. God still does the miraculous, and we believe that he's going to do it. Would you sing with the worship team and I'm going to take some time to pray with these folks up here. Spirit of the living God Spirit of the living God We only want to hear your voice Hanging on every word Spirit of the living God Spirit of the living God Living God, come now and breathe.
Father, we know that you came in the room and you did what only you can do. And Lord, we know that it will change us. It will change situations. It will change circumstances. It will change our lives because of the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and works through us to do miraculous things. You are still the God who does miracles. You are still the God who interacts in our lives in a supernatural way. Now, Lord, I pray that each person here, we receive your healing. We receive the touch of God. And we pray that the enemy does not take that thought from us. That we leave confident in the fact that you have already done the work. You've already brought healing. You've already changed situations. You've already done the work, Lord, and he cannot take it from us. So, Father, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for what you continue to do. And we know that your presence is alive and active today. We are not just a club who meets. We interact. We meet with the God of the universe who is ever-present in this room and in our lives. Lord, help us to live every day, every day, with the knowledge and the understanding that God is with us to interact with us every day to give us wisdom and direction and guidance and healing and provision you are our father your word says if we ask you for a loaf of bread will you give us a snake lord we ask you for your presence we ask you for the spirit of god to guide us every day we ask you to fill us anew and afresh so that we exhibit the fruit of the spirit that we live our lives in recognition that God is active in us every day. Father, we love you this morning. We love you, and we're so appreciative of how you work in our lives. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you individually. We commit our church to you. We know, Lord, that you want to work. Help us to be in a position to allow you to do it. And we trust you and ask all these things for the sake, honor, and glory of Jesus. And all of God's people shouted in victory. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a praise offering this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.